Boom. Welcome to Finding Funnies, episode five, with me, Steve Royal. And me, Jamie Sutherland. I can't believe we got to five. I know. I feel that five is quite a crucial number, I think. It feels like by now everything should be slick. Oh, it's slick. <laughs> and we should be really firing off one and. Another. See how it's working already. Bingo. What a show we've got lined up as well for Did our Did you thing. write that as an introduction? No, I just... I oh, just, it's because you're holding a piece of paper. You know, I'm, I'm holding a piece of paper because of what I have written this bit. Oh. Our special guest is none other than Blue Peter legend, Barney Harwood. We'll be chatting to him very, very shortly, finding the funnies that happen on Blue Peter. What okay. a coup. Uh, and they are famously, they have... In uh, what was it, in induction ceremony, is it? What, what did you call it? Audition. The audition for Blue Peter. I know that in the past I've had people like having to do an interview on a trampoline and stuff like that. Anyway, yeah. we'll find out Barney's uh, challenging episodes of Blue Peter in a short while. And also, I've got a royal proclamation to make about pasta and rice. Yeah? Yeah, I've got a royal proclamation. Uh, Jamie, I believe you want to know about our past lives. Past lives? Yeah, I don't mean like regression. I mean jobs we've endured. Oh, yes. Or enjoyed before we became such hugely successful comedians. Yeah. yeah. Plus, all the usual clothing forecasts, the usual scouts, acting masterclass. And no doubt, Jamie will be whinging about something. I'm not whinging about something, but what I have got a gripe. Today. Oh, go on. A gripe. Well, okay. When I'm, I'm trying to get Where does that rate right? on a scale? Well, have we got a whinge? There's whinge. Gripe and whinge. Well, we're. Out of ten, I'll give this a nine. Right, okay. Mainly well, that, because of the what, time. On an anger scale? For a very short period, though. It was an anger that came and went very, very quickly. I put that at nine. I'd put, like put it at a five. It's a nine. Okay. Mm. Yeah, so what it was is uh, Bradley, my son, was going to school this morning. Yeah. And I checked his balance to make sure he had enough lunch money. And I topped it up, which is good. Um, and then you get to the end, and it goes, Prove you are not a robot. Oh, and how many chimneys can you see? And I'm thinking, oh, I just wanted to go to school and get a piece of pizza. And the thing is, I had that stupid thing with the squares and one, is a chimney hanging over? I know. Are we including the breast? Was it, was it on your phone as well? It was on my phone. Yeah, you see, you're tiny, the, the tiny, aren't they? Little thing, you're going, I don't know, is it? Well, I, the problem I've got is that my vision's now different because I've recently upgraded my contact lenses and they're a slightly... The, 4.5. Mm. My glasses are 4.25. non glass wearers probably won't get that. But what it means is that because I'm going from glasses to contacts and I've changed my phone, if something's really small, I have to take my glasses off and put the phone really close to my eyes to see <laughs> because it's... So I'm trying to find chimneys at half eight blind. And I think is it just me? But are they making it even more complicated nowadays, those? Because sometimes you'll have, for example, they'll say, how many traffic lights in this photo? Yeah. Yeah. And there'll be someone holding a picture of a traffic light, which you don't... Do you know what I mean? They're holding oh. something as one of the pictures. And you're going... Is that technically? Is that in? Is that the pitch? Is that in the? So you can see the situation I had yeah, this morning. Yeah, I can see. It's, at least it's not the letters; they're the worst ones. I can don't I... mind the picture ones as much as the letters when they say, "What are the letters hidden?" You know, when they have like funny shaped Y's and like really odd. Well, what I would say is how much fraud actually goes on on kids' lunch money. I think there's bigger <laughs> things to be worrying about in the world than the fraud of buying a pizza meal deal from the school. Hey, you'll be very impressed. I've excelled myself with my uh, masterclass this week. Obvious. Well, I don't know yet. All right. Oh, but well, gonna... we'll come to that shortly. We'll come to that yeah, shortly. Yeah, cool. Just before we 
progress any further. Oh, yeah. I just thought this might amuse you. Just my, my daughter's theory this morning. On the way here, dropped off at college, and uh, I, Gary Barlow came on the radio, and I said to her, this is incorporating your acting class a little bit, I said, Gary Barlow is one of the people I think everyone can do at least a, an average impersonation, to which I attempted mine, and she went, that's awful, Dad. But I just said that all you need to do for Gary Barlow is do a mank accent, but, like, slow down. A bit like John Bishop with Scouse. So, John Bishop, just slow everything down. Gary Barlow. I think like that's quite good. You think I'm sure? Right, well, she knocked it. But then she, I said, well, go on, then you do your best impression. And you know what it was? What? It was of the person, apparently, now I'm not familiar with this, some people may be, yeah. the person who does the radio, uh, the announcements on trains. Oh. And she just went, you are now approaching Leyland. You are now approaching Leyland. That's pretty good. Like. But then she had a brilliant idea. This is what I want to consult you on. She had the idea that wouldn't it be good if the voiceover had to do the accent of the place you're arriving at? Oh, that'd be even... Yeah, I'd like that. That would be good, wouldn't it? So, so you just you see went, you're coming into Blackburn. Well, that's what you're used to... You're coming into Blackburn. That, that is what, you, obviously, years gone by, you would have the somebody in the yeah, back but, doing the but announcement. Even more specific to that, a single play. Because then you'd see... For, I said the one of the great journeys to do would be from Liverpool to Manchester... And just when you're arriving in Warrington and going, oh, where am I now? Because yeah. it's that little bit of the odd word that sounds a little bit scouse. And then it changes and then it'll at St. Helens. And all, you know, just the little changes as you went from station to station. I like that idea, Steve. I want to get much. you to come this way slightly just for the video side of things. Okay. What do you reckon? That's, that sounds better for me. I just did a microphone um, as well because we've got a different microphone stand today and it, it's drooping as a well. I'll be on my knees by the end. Because you're actually turning the wrong knob. Oh, am I? Yeah. Should I turn that one? Yeah, and that That's is coming right through my ears. So if you're at home, the, listen to I this. I do apologise. I was turning my own knob. Steve playing with his knob live on a family friendly podcast. You. I can only apologise. Can I tell you a sad story? Yeah, about go on. That, um, the train it. thing. Yeah, go on. No, but it's a lovely story. Okay. It's that they went digital mm. on all, on the underground in London, didn't they? So it, oh, it's all done okay. through a computer. I think yeah, one, yeah. an actor did them all. Yeah. But there was an old lady that used to go and sit um, at a certain underground station and listen every morning because her husband, many, many years oh. ago, was the voice. And, and it would she's... be her comfort. And then one day she's gone and they've and changed, changed it. Of... But actually at that station, and we find out which station it was, they reinstated her husband's voice. Oh, and she, and she how sits lovely. There and just listens to her husband, yeah. That reminded me actually because you were talking about the new digital voice. And Why are you that... trying to top trump me? I've just no, given no, you a story. It's a lovely it a story. End. No, it didn't have a bit. No, all I'm saying is, is my daughter, this uh, did amuse us this morning. She said, she reckons that. The further up the alphabet you get, the more tired the woman's voice sounds on the train. And oh, that's interesting. And uh, my theory behind that was, I said, well, that'll be because she's been in some sound booth for like 12 hours a day for the last week, listing every single town and village, right, in the country. And yeah. so she started off all enthusiastic, you know, welcome to Arsenal, you know, or whatever. Oh, bro. Oh, bro. We're approaching Aston Villa. And then you get to and then Yeah, exactly. Yarmouth. I mean, how tired is she by? 
Yeah. Do we have any Zs? I just uh, there must be somewhere in this country. Is there a Z? Is it? Ashby de la Zouche. <laughs> yeah, I see Ashby. She be, she's oh, still, she'd be, she'd be buoyed. She'd be buoyed by that one. Anyway, that was just that was just like a theory. I'll tell you what else I've done this week. A top tip for everyone. Oh yeah. I could make this my royal proclamation, although my royal proclamation was going to be at Pasture and Rice. I'll leave that. I'll stay. I'll tell you what I want to help people with. Go on. How to save money on holidays. We're all being credit crunch squeeze at the moment, aren't we? Yeah. Right? You know, holidays, you, you put me make a thing of the past because you know what I've done instead of a holiday? What? I've uh, rearranged the bedroom furniture. Oh, it that's... feels like I'm on holiday. No, I'll tell you exactly why, right? Because, right, when you rearrange, not only did I just like move a couple of cabinets, change the whole room round. So now my bed is now on a diff bed head is on a different wall. We had a huge negotiation to make about which side of the bed me and my wife have to sleep on now. It's a big deal. Because we're still change. on the same. Yeah, but well, this is what was weird. We couldn't change. But now, because we've completely turned the bed around, I'm on the side nearest the door. The thing's good anyway, because I should be there to protect her, you know what I mean? And I'm last in bed usually at night, so I'm causing least trouble walking away all the Steve way around the other side the of the bed. Steve true alpha. <laughs> If anyone comes in, we're going to <laughs> But my point them. is, I rearranged it all, right, rearranged it, and then thought, well, we've done all this back up and the bed as well, obviously, clean the room, clean bed sheets as well. Middle at night, I wake up, what happened? Go on. I think I'm on holiday, don't I? Oh, you See had, what I mean? Oh, you had that sex? moment, no. <laughs> no, not a birthday holiday, just a normal holiday. But all right, let's say I'm on a holiday with kids in room almost. Okay. That's the kind of holiday, right? right? No, I'm on holiday because I wake up and I don't know where the toilet is. Nightmare. Oh, can't work it's it out. A, no, it's, it's a do you nightmare. know, like, do you know that first night on holiday when yeah. you're going, you're getting up, you're going, you're still, I'm at home, where am I? I had that little moment of wondering where I was and I thought, blimey, fresh sheets, it feels lovely, strange room. I don't need to fork out thousands of pounds on a holiday every year. All I need to do is rearrange my furniture in my bedroom. Top tip for you all there. There you go. There you go. Have nice. you booked anywhere? Well, I have booked somewhere for, uh, for the end of the year. We've booked Mexico. Yeah, there you go. Cancel Mexico. it now, Mexico! Cancel it. Just put some... I normally don't know, go away in... Make some tackles. Normally we'd go away in February, so obviously that's just gone, but we didn't. So uh, I thought I'd just got away with that, but my wife thought, no, just uh, you can deck the garden instead yeah, with yeah. the money saved. Yeah. Fine job you've done at the moment. Thank you. Fine job. Right, I think it's time to move on to your acting masterclass. Oh. Because you apparently, I've seen a little wry grin on your face throughout the whole of this so far. You, you've got some little secret. Well, it's not a secret, no. no. I thought, because obviously very much theatre, I think I've got to be at all things to all men. You know, and, okay. I, and I watch you in Panto and I think, God, there's a bit of comedy in Just there. Sometimes there's serious stuff. But then also as well, mm. which is my sort of nemesis, um, th there's a song. Oh, 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 are you singing now? I am I didn't singing. Think, oh, wow. Oh. But I thought, I may as well go big. Go on. Oh, yeah, so, no, not a ballad. Not See, a I ballad, could, no. I think I could handle you, even your rap. I'm going Andrew not... Lloyd Webber. <laughs> oh. I've got the music. Okay. I'm just grateful I've not got the earphones. <laughs> well, you'll have to listen, won't you? Okay, right. It's, so, from, it's from Joseph. All right. Oh, which we you're going for uh, the, the classic? Any dream will do. You, what do you reckon? Yeah, you're not the boy Joseph, are you really? Like Jason Donovan? You're more like the big bearded one, the older one in the family, the right. older brother. Here we go. 
Okay. Serious now. All right, here we go. I'm gonna. I've got my headphones on, and I'm gonna do that like um at like, the ba- like the back row live aid. Okay. And I'll be waiting on like as if I'm coming in next. Do they know? Right, here we go. Okay. Mate, I, I'm not a good singer, but I thought... I know, I, I know. That's why I'm worried about listening, this. They might be able to give me tips on how to be not a good singer, but get away with being a participant in a song. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Anyway, I think listen. the best thing you could do is three lions just be in that crowd scene. There we go. Yeah, I'm not going to do it all. I've only done like Sorry, less than just interrupt. Have you started? Yeah. Is this like. Is this Can you hear part? it? No, no, I'm just asking. Is, is that, that. I'm not doing it all. Oh, that's not. I close my eyes. Drew back the curtain. Oh, for certain. Oh, there we go. There we go. <laughs> far, far away. Someone was weeping, ah, but the world was sleeping. Any dream will do. Oh, a big bit, bit. I wore my coat. He wore his coat. Golden bright colours, ah, just shining. Foot. It's hard, isn't it? It's hard on your thing. Can I just ask? It's hard what? on your thing because I've got to follow lines. I think Jason changed the I think the you made there. it harder by doing it in character. Why? Well, because you were trying to do it as Kermit the Frog, I assume. I was trying to do it as Jason. Oh, Don't it sounded me. like... Because you were, you did it. Right. it was I close my eyes. eyes. Well, how'd you do it? It's more like a... Hi, 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 kids. Okay. It's more like Kermit. You sounded more like Kermit than you did Jason Donovan. Yeah, well, I had to go. Shocking. Shockingly bad. Oh, God. <sighs> embarrassing. Pause for an embarrassing laugh. <laughs> Put a round of applause in there, didn't I? You didn't know I had that button, did you? <laughs> That's a good button to have, isn't it? Oh, hang on. Got a laughter one. <laughs> Just a sarcastic laugh. Oh, right, okay. Yeah, more, more than familiar Got with that. loads of buttons, haven't I? Yeah. Push everyone. Uh, shall we move on? Shall we um, introduce our special guest? Oh, what a guest, by the way. Absolutely. Um, a bit last minute, really. What we were thinking, who can we get on tomorrow to chat to? I phoned him last night. Done a couple of pantomimes with this fella. Lovely, lovely lad. And a legend in children's television. And the owner of a gold Blue Peter badge. One of a few. And we caught up with him a short while ago. It just, we have to, uh, apologies, all right, because we've just took this straight from Zoom, so you might hear some things like, recording now. Okay, fair enough. Going into Wigan now. Remember what I said at the beginning about fifth episode, it's all should be slick and professional now. Yeah, but you, right, I'm just going to press it. Shocking. You're unbelievable. Oh, good. Right, we're ready then. Yeah. Jamie, it's time for our very, very special guest. Yeah, here's a guest I made earlier. No, oh, you prepared earlier. This, oh, I know he's shaking his head in disgust. I'm shaking that. my head for, for you, Barney, because that's disgraceful as an introduction. Uh, it's, uh, people may know I was, I, this is better. People may know him best from Bird Behaving Badly on CBBC, which was my personal favorite. It's Barney Howard. Good morning, boys. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. I see you've got your keyboard in front of you. Just as a little intro. Can you remember? Because Jamie, you won't know this. Do you remember Burby having badly? It was yeah. absolutely brilliant. I loved it. Right now, I don't. 
Right. You don't remember? Oh, it was just, it wasn't really, I've always struggled. It wasn't really, was it a bear? Was it not a bear? It's a, it's a bear. Yeah. A lot of people think he's a monkey, but um, he's, he's a bear. He's, he's permanently three years old. He's been three for about 25 years now. And um, he's just a cute little bear that gets himself in trouble with his friend, Koala Bear, uh, who's called Keith, Crazy Keith. And um, he's, he's in love with ducks and baths and toothpaste. And uh, we, we managed to squeeze four series out of that. It was absolutely, but what few people know is you did the theme music for it as well, didn't you? I did, yeah, write the theme tune, sing the theme tune. Yeah, I did all that stuff, yeah. Well, can, I was, you still, I, can you still do it? Go on, can you still do it? Can you still remember it? Yeah, of course. I can. Oh, the, the keyboard's not turned. I turned it off. Oh, so did you turn it oh, off? No. Oh, I thought I you were just going to play it. It's, it's a very complicated home studio keyboard, this, so it takes about 10 minutes to fire up. But while it's, while it's ask me more questions and I'll, and I'll play it when it's done. Ah, oh, Belton. Right. Well, listen, we're here on our podcast, Finding Funnies, and we thought, you know, we, every week we try and get someone with a niche from a niche background. I don't think you get more niche well, than Blue Peter presenters, do you? Well, no, I, well, there's Blue Peter presenter and astoundingly one of the an owner of a gold Blue Peter badge, which is like really you know, an esteemed company. You know, David Beckham's in there, Ed Sheeran's in there, Captain Tom's in there. Where do you keep your badge? Is it do you have a little sort of section of your house dedicated to Blue Peter? I sold it because needed the cash. Is <laughs> <laughs> it in a museum? No, it's it's actually so. I, basically, it's weird you should say this because a couple of days ago I've been thinking about. I have this. Um, do you know what a cricket maker is? A cricket maker. Yeah. No. Go it's, on. C R I C U T. It's basically a cutting machine. So it's like it looks like a printer, but it has a blade in it instead of ink. And so you can put materials in there and you can cut out different things. Uh, once a Blue Peter presenter, always a Blue Peter presenter, even at home now. And um, I've actually made a little background for all of the badges. because I have every single Blue Peter badge that I ever wore on the show. I have thousands of them. I think I did something like 2,800 and something shows. And I have every badge that I wore from all of those shows and I keep them in a, in a big box. But the special ones, like the diamond badge, the purple badge, the orange badge, the blue, um, the standard, uh, the, the gold, the silver. What else was there? I missed out there. But I probably missed one out. There's about six or seven of them now. But I've got all of them individually. And I, and I got them for doing something, whether it was a film with somebody um, or whether it was going out to an event and, you know, I was handing out the badges myself. So I'm actually going to make a long rectangular display case for them. And I'm going to have the gold badge in the middle, but I'm also going to have the dates underneath. I'm going to etch with this cricket maker of the days of the shows that I wore the badges, just as a nice little keepsake oh, in my. Uh, that's in my fantastic. So do, you mentioned all the different ones. Is there a favourite one? And for what do you? You almost obviously have to achieve something to do these. So what's your biggest achievement, and what badge donates that? Well, when you first join the show, they make you. Um, it's it's a bit like an initiation. Did you ever do scouts or yeah. ventures? had to be initiated into the group. And that was nor that normally involved somebody getting dunked in water or, you know, riding a bike up a hill or whatever it was. Well, they have the same thing on Blue Peter. And they say that if you're going to be a Blue Peter presenter and you're going to tell the audience, you know, that they... I mean, you know what a Blue Peter badge represents, don't you? I think it helps yeah. if you know that. Well, the, it's a ship, isn't it? It's a... What, I don't know. No, I don't... In depth, no. Go on. So the Blue Peter is actually the flag that a ship oh, flies going on its voyage so when a, when a ship goes on its first ever journey from a from a particular port 
they fly the Blue Peter flag. And it basically symbolizes going on a journey and it wishes them luck. And so the Blue Peter badge represents going on a journey or something that might lead to some kind of discovery. And so it's impossible to stand there as a presenter and say to kids, you've got to follow your dreams. You've got to do these things. Go on, try bungee jumping. You'll love it if we don't do it ourselves. So when I first joined, I had to do three challenges. One of them was, do you remember the Krypton Factor? Yeah. Well, that course still exists, that assault course. And so my first ever film was doing that assault course. Uh, my second film was to perform with the Ballet Boys in London. Yes, I did say ballet there. And the third one was to survive on a deserted island for five days. And if I did those three things, then as far as Blue Peter were concerned, I'd earned my badge. Therefore, I could officially wear it. I could officially present the show. And I could officially tell the audience that they could achieve whatever they set out to achieve. You know, you, you've got to put yourself through the mill a little bit on that show. And um, you, you certainly discover a lot more about yourself when you're doing it. But you, I think you have to. I think you, you can't stand there and be justified, you know, to be, to be telling children, really, you know, kids as young as six and seven who are, have got idols and plans and dreams. And, you know, they don't know about tax yet. And it's up to us to tell them that, you know, they can achieve whatever they want. All they've got to do is, you know, put their mind to it and, you know, just dedicate themselves to something and they'll, they'll achieve it. So, yeah, they were, um, they were difficult because I did them all in the space of about, I think it was about two weeks. But the, the survival challenge was the one that finished me off. In fact, if you want to find a funny, that's, that's where you'll find it in that story. Go on. Well, well, this is on the island. I mean, because that's a big step up. The others, the others are like, well, what, an afternoon, even a couple of couple of hours on an assault course. Where was but, the island? Yeah, where, yeah, where, where? It was the Isle of Mull. Oh, and it's not even cheap. That's what, not even what, like what, a... Well, let me ask, what month? One. What month did you do it? Just September. Oh, right. It doesn't matter. It's always going to be no, it's cold. There. I know. Very yeah, cold. Yeah, it was not warm. My keyboard's fired up, by the way. Hang on a minute. Theme chief behaving badly. Oh, oh. Here, here we go. That's that's history, man. Bang on, well done. Got there in the end, mate. Got there in the end. So, uh, go on, you're on the Isle of Mull. So, I'm on the Isle of Mull, 20,000 acres of what they call Mamba, M A M B A, which stands for miles and miles of not a lot. And I was there for five days. Um, now, so I, I'd, I'd met a guy who was a survival expert first, you know, and he talked us through various ways of surviving in the wilderness when you've got no food, no water, you know, you've got to look for certain things. And your basics are water and fire, really. If you can find water and if you can make fire, you're going to be okay, pretty much. And of course, where, where there's water, there'll be limpets and, you know, seaweed and things that you can actually eat. So I was taught about all that before I went. But what I wasn't taught about was the fatigue when you don't eat, which I wasn't doing, uh, and you're inhaling the, the smoke from your own fire, um, you hallucinate. You Not only do you hallucinate, but you, you, you're convinced that you're a different person. It's, it's, it's one of the strangest experiences I've ever had, but I don't think they actually thought it was going to be as bad as it was. And they didn't film the majority of it. So finding the funny, if you watch the series, it's called, I think it's called Survival. They just, they just named it Survival. But I was on an island for five days with no food, no water. I had no shelter. And they were deliberately trying to tire me out. They wanted to see me break on camera. <laughs> so, and I didn't know this until afterwards. I didn't know what they were trying to do. Now, to give you the exact time we were there, they actually, so I was in a cave surrounded by goat muck and dead crows and sorrel, which I was, by the, by the day five, I was licking the cave walls for the, for the sorrel. That's how bad it was. They didn't, they didn't show any of this. 
Um, so I, I think it was day four where I just about had enough. I had no energy. I hadn't slept. I was convinced a bear was going to eat my face while I was asleep. And they went to this castle in Loch Bowie because uh, Wills and Kate were getting married. Now, I also made a film for the Wills and Kate wedding because I helped to make the Tiffin cake for the wedding. That was a Blue Peter film. We went to McVitie's, which is just south of Manchester, and um, we, we, we made this Tiffin. And so I was telling them about this and saying, oh, I actually did a film about that. I, I made the cake. You know, it was a Blue Peter thing. At, at the same time, I'm actually sitting in the same pair of underpants I've, been, I've had on for five days. I <laughs> haven't slept. I'm grumpy. My fire's going out. And they're all going over to the castle to have a little wedding party, you know, and leaving me to it. And they're, and they're about 45 miles, uh, minutes to about an hour away from me. So I can't even get there if I try. So long story short, I've told them on, on my little update film that I'm not feeling great. I'm knackered. I've, I've, I've had no food. I've had no sleep. They brought back Tiffin from the wedding, sat outside my cave where I had a dead deer hanging that I hadn't had the strength to strip yet and et tiffin and they said to me i don't know if you want some you can have it but you'll fail the challenge so they I, honestly when you're when you haven't eaten for that long your senses are so heightened all i could smell was tiffin cake and it was the most glorious smell i've ever i mean when you haven't eaten it's it's really hard to try and explain how how those five days properly affected me because i'll never tell i'll never say i'm hungry ever again no you know I'll never say I'm starving. You know, when someone goes, how you feel? Oh, do you know, I'm starving. I could murder a bacon boy. No, you're not. No, you're not. You don't know what starving is. Until you've not eaten for four days and you're, now I have a scar on my arm. If, I think I've shown you this before, Steve, at Panto. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In my left arm, I have a scar. And it's basically where, so a tick, you know what a tick looks like? They're like a spider with pointy legs, but they, they burrow into your, skin and then the head stays out but the legs stay in basically or it's the other way around the head stays in the legs stick out whatever it is but i was sat on day five outside my little cave which i'd made quite homely by this point i've got my five spoke fire burning away nicely i've got a rainbow trout cooking on a slate uh, oven hob that i've made that idyllic, doesn't it? <laughs> so and, and basically i saw this tick now this is the honest 100 honest truth this is exactly as it happened as I was sitting on my homemade rock chair, which was just a rock, really, a tick ran up my finger, ran up the middle of my arm, span round like the Tasmanian devil, burrowed itself into my arm. And of course, I started panicking because I was like, what? I didn't know what it was. Nobody was around. I'm miles away from anybody. The film crew hadn't arrived yet to do my update. So with my fingernail, my little finger, but anyway, my nails have grown quite long in a few days. I managed to file my nail down so it was pointy, like, like a sort of a sharp spade, if you like. And I dug this tick out of my own arm. Wow. And, I was think and I was thinking, rather than going for the head, I'm going to go around the outside and I'm going to get the whole thing out. So I, was, I must have been there for about, it felt like an hour, digging this tick out. There's blood running down my arm. This tick's not moving. It's just stuck in my arm. I was panicking. I was properly getting stressed about it. That's when the guy, Paul, who was the SAS guy, appears out of nowhere, grabs me like a father would grab his son, wraps his arm around me and says, we've got to get him out. We've got to get him out. It wasn't a tick. It was a mole that I'd had since I was born. <laughs> but, I, but I was hallucinating so badly that I dug my own freckle out of my arm, effectively. Oh. And I, I still have the scar today. They didn't show any of this. But um, 
yeah, fascinating stuff, eh? Now, you know, the elephant, the one of the most famous scenes in in Blue Peter is the elephant yeah. in the big poo on the studio floor. I just yeah. want to know now, what was your elephant moment, if you know what I mean, in the time that you were at Blue Peter? What was the moment where you were, you know, most ridiculous, most surreal, especially on live telly? That was the beauty of the programme, especially when you presented it. There's, there's, well, I do have an animal story. It's about a gorilla who threw what can only be described as a semi-solid peanut butter turd at the ND filter on the camera guy and, and broke the guy's ND filter. Um, we hadn't. <laughs> And it was actually an old gorilla. She was really old. She was like, she looked like an old lady. And we went to this monkey world place doing a bit of a VT. In fact, weirdly enough, I spoke to the camera guy yesterday. And um, those ND filters are like little glass slidey panels that go in front of the lens on the cameras. And they're very expensive. They're really, really expensive. And the, the zookeeper, whatever he was called, the, the monkey keeper, had basically said, just look out for Doris. She's a bit of a terror. She's a bit naughty. And she was miles away. She was over there in a cage. She was about... I don't know, 10, 15 metres away, like the length of a swimming pool away. She was quite far away. But the cage gate was maybe five metres from us, but she was way in the distance. And we only had like a two-minute link to do. So we were like, well, she's not going to get over here and do anything. He went, honestly, she's quicker than she looks. And she likes to throw her own turds. Right. <laughs> we were like, well, fine, well, what do we do? And the, and the, the director was like, yeah, but it, it was. We always take the make out of his voice. Yeah, but we we always want them. We want them to be in front of the, of the of the grid. We want them to be in front of the bars because it's the best shot. That's what he always used to say. It's the best shot there. And then uh, the guy I was presenting with, Ed, said, "Yeah, but it's not. It's not our best shot. It's hers. If she hits us with a turn from behind, it's it's not going to look great on telly, is it?" So long story short, we, the camera guy just sort of said, "Look, let's just get this done. Let's just get it finished. So just stand where you are." And as he was talking. All I remember is hearing this go past me and then this, this sound of glass smashing. She had managed to get from the opposite side of the cage to the, to the front of the bar. She just waited for the right moment when none of us were looking. Cracked out a big one and <laughs> flung it. And it, it went right between me and Ed and went straight onto the ND filter and broke his ND filter. Now, just think about the power that involves. Think about how hard it is to throw something that's basically brown peanut butter that and that fast to smash glass. Brilliant. Unbelievable. I've never seen a turd move as quick in my life. Actually, no, there was this one time in Mexico where that's a different story. <laughs> hey, it's a good job we didn't hit the fan. Yeah, very good. See that I did there. See that I did. Listen, no Barney, we, we could spend hours chatting to you, mate. We'll have to get you back on another time for more tales from Blue Pete because, like you say, how many years was it in total? Uh, that was on Blue Peter. It was just over seven and a bit, seven years and three right. months. The there's there's plenty, plenty more where that came from, fellas. Mate, it's a pleasure to chat to you. Thanks so much for being our guest. Nice one, Barney. Not at all. I'll speak to you soon. Cheers, yeah. mate. Oh, there you go. Barney Harwood there. I thought, what a fantastic guest he was. And I can't wait to have him on um, for the Jupiter. Steve has made a right cock up here. <laughs> just adjusted my mic stand. Because you say it's a new mic stand and it just collapsed in my hand. It didn't. Remember, I kept saying that. With it. I, I cursed myself by saying at the beginning of this, episode five, we should be all slick by now. Like well, what said, you do now is you look like, hey, oh. <laughs> <laughs> I've got all uh, Freddie Mercury. Well, I, I've shown my theory about him being a little bit Yorkshire in Freddie because of that bit in Live Aid where he goes, hey, up. He's actually saying, hey, up, if you listen carefully. Is he? Yeah, he's going, hey, up, hey, up, hey, up. 
You're going to have to sort that because it's actually uh, rattling. <clears throat> Is it? Yeah. Genuinely? Yeah. Because every time you touch it, it rattles now. Oh, you're joking. So you're going to have to fix it, Steve. It's really, it's actually what you would call an annoying unprofessional what i would say is it shows a complete lack of respect to me because you would never have done this on the uh, bbc no i wouldn't to be fair so um i don't know, exactly know what you're doing to be fair but I'm it's very um myself it's uh, what, it, what it does show is how spoiled you've been in your and what i'm going to do is i'm going to lower there you go i've actually turned your mic off now and the podcast has never actually sounded better Nobody can hear you. You just you're, you're in the distance. You're in the distance. But we're going to move on in a second. Nobody can hear you, Steve. We're going to move on to jobs that we've had in the past. Would you call? It? I don't know whether you call it jobs that we've had in the past because we've, we've we obviously are in the world of entertainment. But we've done a lot of. Are you? Oh, you back now? I'm back now. Yeah. There you go. Let's yeah. just give me well, a speech. Yeah, we should all be good now. Oh, there slick, you go. slick as. Uh, yeah. You want to know previous jobs? Well, I didn't say previous. Well, yes, pick one one job that you've had and tell me about it because you've had loads of jobs and I've picked a job that I've had. Okay. And then we'll see because we've, we've done a long way in our, in our decades on this planet. I have been lucky enough really to do what I do all my life. The first proper job I got really, as in long-term contract, was at Granada Studios Oh, yeah. entertaining there and that's how i first learned the ping pong ball tricks that i do and all the juggling there was I, I could juggle when i got the job but um but before that in holidays from university and for the six months after i finished university going back to 1989 to 90 i worked in london i live in london and I worked as a removal man oh. in the centre of London. I couldn't imagine you. Cause full, the full-on driving, not the massive trucks. I, want to, like, I didn't have the right licence for that. I think it's something like a seven and a half tonner was the biggest I could drive, right? And I'll tell you, I'll tell you two cracking stories from it. Okay? But I can't believe you actually had the ability to pick up furniture. <laughs> I was more of a packer. I was good for my little hands in the in the packing machine, really, oh, rather, okay. rather than yeah. Look, you look at me and think there's a guy who could lug furniture. No. You don't really, do you? No, I, I don't know how I ever got the job. To be fair, they looked at you and went, "Yeah, we'll take him on." I'll tell you that. that my, the level of incompetence I reached was I was once doing a delivery. Bear in mind, it was all London as well. Yeah. And I'd, I'd, I was driving the truck once in the centre at Lancaster Gate. I'll never forget it. And luckily, I was so lucky. The The job was to go to this old lady's house. We'd moved her the day before. And it was just literally to clear up all the bits so you need to take into the tip. So luckily, I was on a tip run as opposed to taking this to a new... Because oh, right, I yeah. did the classic where I left the the doors open on the van. It's a big sliding, you know, a big sliding door no. on the back. And I drove down Lancaster gate. And the first thing I knew about it, I'm sat with my mate and a motorcyclist comes screaming past us, flagging us down, waving his arm, stop, stop. And I'm going, what mate, what mate? I'm ready to like, you know, have a bit of a go, you know, yeah. the young lad from Manchester. What's he having a go? He's going, you're losing your load, mate. You're losing your load. <laughs> right. And I look in my rear view mirror at the side of the, of the van and strewn from for about oh a quarter of a mile all the way down Lancaster Gate was just rubble basically that had, and I always remember the very first thing 
because it was the last thing I'd loaded in the van was a hostess trolley. Remember the hostess trolley? Oh, yeah. Obviously on wheels, in it. No. So that must have gone first corner. Boom, that's off. This poor motorcyclist, though, he'd been swerving to avoid it all. There's cars stopped, carnage in the centre of London, all because of me. So you're driving and every everyone's behind you causing carnage. Yeah, and basically. You're, you're at the front, just with like a bin wagon, just... Yeah. Right. Cool. Unbelievable, eh? And the other one, the other one, this is a funny story. We were moving a very rich lady, again in London, and she had an old tapestry. And we were carrying this tapestry. Yeah, the, yeah. Is that what you call Proper, it? Yeah. Right. Right, this old woven tapestry. And we're looking at it going, this is, this is old. It's in a frame. It was in a frame. And we're carrying it, me and my mate, down these stairs. And he drops one end, doesn't he? No. Right? It lands on the floor, but right on the side of it, at the edge of um, like the skirting board. And this skirting board goes into this frame. It, it wasn't, it, no glass on this frame, right? It was just, it went straight into the material. Right. And there's a little rip in it, oh. in the tapestry. So carefully picks it up again. We take it. And this woman comes up to us and says, how's things going, lads? And he's going, yeah, yeah, good. And he's desperate to know whether he's damaged something really valuable here. Yeah. So he yeah. goes, that, 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 that tapestry's nice. Oh, yes, you like it, do you? Yes, yes, yes. It's been in the family for years. Has it? Yeah, yeah. Has it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And she went, yes, it has. And he obviously delving, wanted to delve more. So is it, is it worth a lot of money then? Is it worth a lot? Oh, yes. Well, yes, yes. It's worth an awful lot of money. And then he, and he could see his, he went white. But then she went... Well, at least it would be if it didn't have a small rip in the bottom. Oh, thank God. Thank and so the God. rip that was there was already in it. Oh. The relief on the poor guy. Brilliant. So that, yeah. I'll tell you another stupid thing. So I said he only had two stories, but one of the most ridiculous jobs we used to have to do. Every month, right, this is again like, a, there was a time when in the early 90s where that kind of American business mentality was creeping into England at yeah. the time. And so they had this new boss of Philips, you know, the light people, the lighting bulb people. They had a big office, uh, say office. It was a, yeah, a warehouse, if you like. It was about eight stories high in some, some like Clapham in London or something like that. And every month they had the theory that workers would work better if they, with a change of environment. So they moved all the floors every month. And that was our job. To we'd have to go stuff. in overnight. So we'd go in and we'd do it all night, work for 12 hours, and we'd have to load, like, look at the plans. It'd say, right, floor eight to floor six, floor four to oh floor seven, floor one to floor three. That's a, And it all, you'd have to move the whole thing. And it included them old drawing boards. They used to weigh a ton. You know the old, like, artist drawing boards? Oh, yeah. The, the, the designers used to oh, use. no way. That was it. And they used to do that once a month. So go on, what was your more weird? Potatoes. Potato, <laughs> potato salad. Yeah, door okay. to door. Grosser then. Door to door. Just potatoes. Just potatoes. Sweet. And you know, like a variety of sweet potatoes. King, Just... Ed King Edward potatoes. Okay. So we would have been about 13, 14. And then there was an older boy down the road who had like a bit of a camper van. And then he realised at that time that uh, the heaviest item in anyone's shop was actually potatoes. And in them days, not a lot of people, you certainly didn't have two cars. So, uh, you know, because we're going back to, so if I said 13, we're going back to the mid 80s. And uh, a lot of people would go to the super, walk the supermarket and walk back. You know, the kids would obviously yeah, help yeah, carry yeah, the bags. Yeah. 
So he decided on a Wednesday night he'd go a farm, get loads of sacks of potatoes, and then we would spend Wednesday night bagging them up into seven, fourteen, and twenty-one pounds like weight. What was your scales? What scales did he have? Just that the old, the old, the old, old one, with big old weights on. Proper yeah. old scales in okay. his garage, yeah. and uh, then on Thursday, Friday night we would go round Kirby and Fazakli, just knocking on doors, holding potatoes, and just say, "Do you want to buy the potatoes?" So were you known as like the potato man? People would then actually over Sutherland the Spuds. Sutherland Spuds. To, Got a good ring to it, that. Would come to expect us, yeah. So that was... I remember did the milk. Did the milk for many years when I was a, a young... Oh, that's rock. a horrible smelling job, isn't oh, it? Very, very early. Proper milk float. And it was the... It was a really sort of well sought after job um, because yeah. you'd be up and you'd be done and then you, it was good money as well. Yeah. Um, so you never wanted to lose the job, but there was one time I was ill. And I couldn't make it, and I didn't want to phone in ill. So I sent my brother to do it, because I knew the other lads would look after him. Uh, twin twin brother, and they never knew. Did no. he even know? But then, they must have known, because he wouldn't have a clue what he was doing, would he? He made to yeah, Did you have to give him a little lesson well, no, at home first? No, because there would have been... See, doing the milk, you had a float, and you would have had a driver and four lads. So it's basically, right, six bottles of earth, four bottles of earth, that you kind of thing. You were colour-coded. Oh, right. So it was, a, I think it was like red, green. So you had cards... And you get it, and it was you just follow the card. It would say like you'd be on the street, and you go to the van. It would say six, twelve, da 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 da, da uh, and, uh, the number uh. of bo- and the bottles would be in order in the crate. Yeah. Proper bottles back then as well, no cartons. Was great job. What you know, job. the only other one that I was going to mention yeah. was I had a brief spell. I think I was doing a lot of temping again in London, and I got a job as a doctor's receptionist. Oh my word! I know. I mean, I'm a lovely man. I'm not vile enough to be a doctor's receptionist. No offense to doctors' receptionists, but nowadays, I mean, nowadays, it's oh, the 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 I don't know guardians of the doctor, aren't they? Oh, Shocking. But back then, you see, it was proper old filing systems as well. So when people came in, you, you know, but that you, you first thing your job in the morning would be to look at who's got an appointment. Oh, Mrs. Jenkins, right? Go to J for Jenkins. And proper some areas, the files were real rammed in little like little. Uh, brown envelopes you, know, yeah. you pull them out and you get the details out but it was a real daunting job it was horrible sometimes because people have phoned up for the test results and you have you'd have the like you know smear test results and stuff like that and going oh, you can see they've got cancerous cells on it and you're going well you, you need to book an appointment with your doctor oh no it's horrible but Stressful. the worst one yeah i once arrived and all the other ladies who were all all the ladies who worked there they were all giggling they said oh you've had a letter steve i said have i yeah, and someone had been in the day before and had an appointment, a young lady, and uh, she took a bit of a shine to the reception, the male receptionist, as she called me. And there was only one of them there at the time. I went, all right. So she said, Fairly I, I, well, she went, yeah, well, I was a right looker back then. I was me Kevin Bacon looking days then. And she said, I'd love to go on a date if, you, if you'd if you interested me. Here's my number. Nice. Yeah, but yeah, but I'm in a doctor's reception. She's what I'm going to, obviously, I wanted to know what, I'm not saying I prized into a, records but yeah you, she, wanna... I, you know what i mean you want to know so i'll check and watch it in the doctor and looked at the notes and just went she's had ben and we yeah but it was it was a, the ultimate dilemma what because she'd actually been um been given to, she was on tablets which were for depression so what do i do if i turn her down am i going to make a depression worse I'll, do you know what i mean well, say yes, and, and you could Horrible, actually could change their life you could be the positivity she was looking for yeah go I, I feel so, suddenly feel a huge responsibility. Anyway, yeah, Janet's fine. And she's been married <laughs> for 25 years since. 
You've got a royal proclamation to do and the weather report because we are right bang on time. All right, well, my royal proclamation is a very simple oh, one. It's just something. On, that... you your... Oh yeah, give me give me yeah. me a jingle. There you go. Right, all it is is I'm just going to state it now. Back me up if you do, back me up if you agree with me. Yeah. Nobody, and I mean nobody, likes pasta and rice. Pasta. I don't mean together. I mean pasta or rice. I should have said. Right. Nobody likes pasta or rice. Nobody it dawned on me it. this week that as a substance, as something to eat, no one would choose pasta or rice. What you choose, this Goes is my point, it. is the sauce. That's right. Oh, I agree. Actually, that's so good... someone might like. I like a creamy garlic. You can like creamy garlic because that's the sauce that goes with pasta. No one would go tuck into a bowl of plain pasta or plain rice and go, whoa, that were gorgeous, that oh, rice. But then people still say, I love pasta, I love rice. No, you don't. No, you do not. Yeah. You're backing me up on that one. I'm backing you up 100%. If Thanks you don't back us up, let us know. Thank you very much. And to break, we've got, as ever... The closing... Oh, the clothing forecast. The closing yeah, clothing your, forecast. Your, um... I need my jingle again. Oh, yeah. Oh. You have to wait, though. As in the words of Mr. Miyagi, waterproofs on, waterproofs off, waterproofs on, waterproofs off, waterproofs on, waterproofs off, and repeat until Monday. Footwear, wellies on. Wellies off, wellies on, wellies off, wellies on, wellies off. Underwear, knickers on, knickers on, you get the idea. And that's your clothing. And that's your podcast. Thank you. See you soon.